What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and we've got an exciting show for you today, a fantastic interview with Bud Dupree, linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He talks about a James Harrison workout story, a team he thought was going to draft him back in 2015, and a ton more. Really great interview, a lot of good quotes. And then after that, we're going to get into part three of the NFL Power Rankings, breaking down teams 24 through 21. But first, my interview with Bud Dupree. We are now joined with a guy who, honestly, I'm going to call him a pro bowler because he should have been this past year. It's Steelers linebacker Bud Dupree. Bud, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? Good, good. So first things first, uh, I want to talk about your, your nickname, Bud. So I was doing some research, and, and the story is that your godmother had a dream that you were going to play in the NFL and that people were going to call you Bud, which I think is, I mean, talk about speaking it into existence. Uh, growing up, so obviously, you know, the, the nickname Bud picked up, but was there any pressure of like, oh man, like, you know, I, I got to make it to the NFL, like my, my godmother, you know, kind of kind of predestined it? Yeah, man, it was kind of like a, a, a kind of like a, uh, like a psychic move. Now that we look back at it, you know what I'm saying? And uh, you know, my godmama came up with that when I was young. And, uh, you know, before I was born, her and my mom we got a real good relationship. And, you know, she said she had a dream that people was calling me Bud and I was playing football. And so, uh, you know, just with that, you know, just uh, being from a small town too, you know, a lot of stuff like that isn't taken for granted. So, you know, everybody ran with the name Bud. So that's where everybody called me from, a, a baby until now like even if you, if you go to my high school or anywhere around the area where i'm from in central georgia anywhere period if you say who's bud people will know when you say who's alvin you know people will ask you like alvin like you know what i'm saying who's alvin because everybody's so used to calling me bud and bud sticking with me and uh people just knowing about that so you know it's a blessing at the same time that something like that could happen and kind of like to have a pre-determined destination but uh you know, it's, uh, it's, it's still some fun to look back on. Yeah, I mean, as far as predetermined destinations go, I think playing in the NFL has to be probably one, one of the best, I would say, for sure. Yeah, uh, definitely, yeah, definitely, you know. But one of the things I wanted to go into is in high school, not only were you a, a two-sport star, you won a, a high school basketball championship, uh, yeah. but you were also, you played both sides of the ball. You're playing tight end and defensive end. Your senior yeah. year had 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, as well as 10 sacks. So what kind of made the switch? What made you decide, okay, I want to play defense instead of offense? Well, just being real on the whole situation with off, with uh, the offense and defense standpoint, I was getting a lot of interest, a lot of uh, college coaches coming to my school, a lot of people trying to tell me to come to camps. I did, I did, I took like five visits, went to South Carolina, UGA, uh, Kentucky, Auburn. Uh, I got recruited by Florida State, so I was – all around on the, on the radar for a while, you know, being, even though I was a three-star and being from a school that didn't have highlight tapes and, you know, a low-income school, we really didn't have the resources to do anything to help people get recruited and get on a certain platform. And, you know, uh, uh, my high school coach, Coach Stewart, which uh, took me to most of the places that I went to, you know, he worked with me uh, day in and day out. And then, you know, one day we have a talk with all these coaches who come and they want me to play defense. But I was talking to him, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't really want to play defense. I want to play offense, you know, because, you know, you know, uh, scoring touchdowns always was way more appealing to me. Mm-hmm. 
That's in, fair. A, in a game setting, you know, when you want the crowd to be hype, you crowd to be hype, and then then getting the sack. Like when I was getting out on sacks, it was just it was fun, but I didn't see the bigger picture getting the sack until I got to college. And like getting a sack in high school was like, ah, oh, that's cool, I can do it, but I really ain't gonna work harder. I want to go over here and run this hitch route and run a uh, comeback and run a go, so I can go score a touchdown. That's all I want to do. And uh, you know, just Coach Stewart told me one day, man, like there's a lot of guys in the NFL your size that's playing outside linebacker. Like, that's the predetermined thing that people want to do. And so, you know, just with that, I, would, I, I always wanted to play offense, but when I got to Kentucky, Kentucky came along and said, all right, if you, uh, if you, if you come, come, if you, we'll offer you if you play, uh, if you want to play um, defense. <clears throat> or if you want to play offense. So I said, okay, I'll come to Kentucky if I play. If you let me go, let me play offense. So as soon as that happened, I was like, all right, Kentucky going to be the place to go. And I went to Kentucky and then then turned back around. So but then once I got to training camp, they actually moved me to uh, defense. So the okay. whole time I'm thinking I'm going to go play offense, the whole time I'm like, uh, in the tight end meeting room, the receiver meeting room. All the coaches telling me how they're going to implement me in the plan, a lot of different things like that. And then all of a sudden he comes, ah, oh, well, but let's have a talk with you. Let's have a talk. So everybody came and they started talking. They're like, how many people you see? So, no, basically they showed me the numbers. They showed me, you no, know, they said, look, this is what the first round outside linebacker, uh, well, the highest paid outside linebacker make. And then this is what the highest paid tight end makes. So, that's all I needed to see. Yeah, it was. Yeah, once <laughs> you saw that the millions, yeah, then it was like you're, yeah, you're I went set. Yeah, defense, and I started liking defense. I started learning more about the game, learning more about actual art of pass rushing and everything like that. So you know, it turned. It, it I would say it turned a new leaf for me because you know I, I started really to focus on defense and then found a new love for that side of the ball. But you know, it, it, it was a destination. It was fun. Yeah, no, I I think it wouldn't take too many millions to convince me to to. Uh, switch over you know but that's very interesting so yeah, yeah. you were you were relatively unpolished then as far as pass rushers go because you know even going in I saw you were top 50 tight end recruit like you said and you wanted to play offense too so it's you're, you're switching over but on the defensive side of the ball at Kentucky it was you Avery Williamson Zadarius Smith I mean three guys yeah. all three of you have found success in the NFL uh is it was it what was that like being in that room basically working together and and, and kind of trying to get better well, you know, uh, when Z came, see me and Avery, was, I, when, I, when I first got up, Avery was there already. So Avery's a year ahead of me and me and Z are in the same class. So, you know, just seeing Avery, the hard work type person that he is, you know, he's always going to effort, doing, doing the extra, going, doing more laps, you know, staying after in meetings, wanting to learn more from film, you know, eating right all the whole time. He eating right, he's showing his diet. And then so I learned that, how to really just be a, a professional at a college level, just following Avery. And me and Z always had a competitive mindset that we wanted to compete against each other. We wanted to be the best tandem in college football. And, uh, you know, so we'll go out and set goals for the season. We'll go, we'll compete for sacks, compete for tackles. You know, it's just always fun. I mean, one game we played uh, Mississippi State. I think I had like uh, two sacks, or uh, second half, two sacks and like 20 tackles. And the, the, me and Z had just made a bet that, that game that, uh, you know, who was going to get the most tackles and get the most sacks. And 
you know, during the middle of the game, you know, it just it still started to turn, and, and then we he said we sitting there looking at Z like I gotta get another sack, I gotta get another sack. This is a you know, and so it's always been a competitive mindset that's always makes us try to get that much better. And you know, uh, just was fun, man. It was fun when Z came, and fun with the coach staff that he came with. You know, it, it all made sense for us at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and now it's I mean the the rivalry's been able to be preserved in a way. Because you're not teammates, but you play for for division rivals, so you get to you yeah. get to line up twice a year. Is there? Are you guys still making bets? Are you still uh, like trying to see who do, who does better on a season basis? Yeah, definitely, man. When we was at Baltimore, before he went to Green Bay, who was at Baltimore when we did play each other all the time, mm-hmm. he always called me before the game, like, "Hey, tell them boys, I'm finna come. I'm coming today. Tell them boys, I'm doing this. I'm doing that." You know, I ain't really the type just to go. And just say it because I don't want them. I don't want no. I I don't want no ammunition. I want Z to get an edge on our team. Mm-hmm. Like you know, yeah, yeah. he's still my boy, but I don't want him to have an edge. Of course. And they go out and beat us. So you know, it's always been fun, man. But you know, he always did that. We called and talked trash to each other, man, about the teams, and it was always fun of that nature. But uh, man, it's a great rivalry that between Pittsburgh and Baltimore is is gonna continue, I think, for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think the AFC North in general is just like you think of of a division that has the most rivalry, you know, the most distaste between each other, and and it's it's got to be the AFC North for sure. Uh, the yeah. one thing I, I wanted to talk to you about. So you got to start as a freshman at Kentucky, which yeah. was which was a a big deal, obviously, because you know most of the time it's you know you go through the redshirt process and you work your way up, but you're from the jump going right away. Was there yeah. a moment either that year? Or maybe uh, you know later on in your college career that you a, a flip kind of switch and you're like you know what I can I can play in the NFL I can be a really good linebacker. Yeah, so I mean you know everyone always had NFL aspirations, NFL hopes, but it's not. Sometimes you hit a wall before you get there, and it's like, damn, can, am I really? I mean, you know, you always know you're good enough, but can I really get there? You know, it's getting closer and closer. Then all of a sudden, my junior year. My first, my first one in sophomore year, I would say I always wanted to go to the league. So, you know, it was just a part of me saying, like, I could make it. And I was doing pretty good. My freshman year, did pretty good. Sophomore year, I did pretty good, too. But my junior year is when I started seeing the recruiters, scouts, coaches started coming to me and telling me I got a chance. Then it went from, oh, you ain't, you're not, like, maybe going to the league. You are going to go to the league. And all you gotta do is stay focused, keep keep getting better, and stay out of trouble. And so, man, you know, I try to distance myself from a lot of trouble. I try to, uh, you know, keep getting better and better each time. You know, so the coaches can vouch for me that I'm getting better and better. You know, also just short on the field as well. And you know, once I started getting out on scouts coming to talk to me and uh, seeing the the even agents starting to hit me up and just seeing. Uh, the plans that the coaches, my coaches, were telling me about that they had for me and my future, that was good, not only great for me, but great for the program. And, you know, that's when the switch came. Turned up a little more, came back, do it good in my junior year, and then even better my senior year. So, you know, I always just wanted to, to get to that point in my life and career. And I got to it and I got to the league. And know, it was just a fun experience the whole time. The whole ride was fun, you know. Definitely, uh, uh, it was definitely a lot in between, but you know it worked out for the better. Yeah, and and talk to me a little bit about that process. What the uh, 
what the whole combine was like. And obviously, you know, were you paying attention to a lot of what people were writing, you know, kind of where you projected? Did you have a set thing in mind? I mean, obviously you were, you were there at the draft. Uh, So, I mean, it had to be first round aspirations there, but what was your kind of outlook going into this whole process and what was it like? Well, you know, it was good because my junior year, I put in my paper to see where I projected it and it said it was second or third round. So that was my junior year. So I decided to come back uh, my my freshman year, I mean, my, or my senior year, and then get a, make sure I get a first-round grade. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the end of the season, just knowing that was uh, part of the key. And, you know, the, the combine process and the training process, actually I stayed in Kentucky to train for the, the combine prep and pro day prep because I, I finished and got my degree. So I just wanted to go on and get my degree and graduate. I was already there. I had a semester left. So I'm like, instead of going to Florida to train or LA to train, I'm like, told my age, I'm like, Todd, hey, we gonna go, I'm just gonna train in uh, Kentucky and get my degree and train with the Kentucky uh, strength and conditioning staff. You know, we, I trained with Ed, uh, Coach Ed, um, and then I trained with uh, uh, Coach Corm. You know, they, they were both at UK at the time. And so, you know, it just was very, very a good experience for me because they already knew me from the past, me working out with them, and and knew what I need to get better on. So it just helped me out, and it just I blew the combine up, killed the pro day, and you know, even though I was hurt, I had a I had a sports hernia during that whole time and couldn't even really run like I really wanted to. But the Steelers kind of even came and took a chance on me and just drafted. You know, I it was crazy, but I did all that stuff with a, a sports hernia. Mm-hmm. And my second year in the league, I got it fixed. Uh, but, you know, it, it played a good uh, – it was good that I went ahead and got a fix. It didn't really slow me down too much to not be able to get drafted. But I wish I would have just listened and got a fix off the beginning, you know, from mm-hmm. the jump. But sometimes, you know, the, the, the fighting, you won't let you sit out like that. So sometimes you got to keep going. But the combine, man, the combine was draining. People hate the combine for real. Everybody really hate the combine. No, you just like the whole thing that you're going to go to the league, but the combine part, you don't never know how draining. it. You were more excited when you first get there than when you leave. Mm-hmm. The whole time, and you just got to stay focused. They try to train. They try to they try to try it. They try to test you to see can, how can you do in certain situations. How can you, even though there's a lot going on, they want to see how you respond. So no, you just got to hold your head and do great in the meetings for that point. And then the draft room. Uh, yeah, my, t- my agent was telling me top 10 aspirations, so – we had a firm belief that that the Saints were gonna take me. Yeah, but they they oh, the, the people kept saying they kept saying they were gonna take me if I was there. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was a top pick that we were looking for, and then uh, ended up going to the Steelers at twenty uh, one. So you know, yeah, I couldn't ask for nothing better. Yeah, I mean, looking at just what they've been able to put together as far as defenses over the last. Seems like since they came into the league, I mean, it's got to be pretty yeah. exciting. The one thing I did want to mention, uh, I, I had your combine numbers here. It was so you ran a four, four, five, six, 40, 42 inch vert, uh, and I think it was 11, six broad jump. And now at six, four, 267, like that's those are some those are some really good numbers. I just thought I'd throw it out there just in case you know people wanted to yeah. get, get into those specifics. But talk to me a little bit about the Steelers, okay? So you you get there. First off, linebacker who's who's in that group already, James Harrison. Did you ever – were you ever a part of any of his workout plans? Did you ever try to, like – Yeah. You know, obviously he went viral for a couple of, like, 
whether it's the medicine ball, volleyball, or, or whatever. Were you a part of some of those workouts? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun in his ways. So we in a meeting room one day, and Joy Porter, our position coach at the time. So Joy Porter, our position coach, and we all just sitting there, and we talking about Debo. We all talking about Debo. We like, man, Debo wake, wake up at 5. It could be here at 5 in the morning. He, he go to sleep at 2 o'clock. Right? We be like, how he do it? Mm. He come in, work out early in the morning, and then during the daytime, during the uh, day, he already be done lifting, ran, everything. He just kind of practice and chill. So we starting to see like, but we like he a Hall of Famer. He's super buff. We like everybody looking like he throwing people around, rad dogging people. So we like, man, let's just try and see can we do it. And Peasy, Joy Peasy was like. Like it kind of made it mandatory. He was like, "Hey, every outside linebacker need to be in there with Debo and more." So we were like, "It's our freshman year," so we were like, "Ah, yeah, 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 we will be in there, Debo. We'll, we'll go work with and try it out." So we waking up super early in the weight room. It's me, Jarvis Jones, Arthur Motes, uh, Anthony Chicolo, and you know we just in there working. We trying to work. We trying to work. And then all of a sudden, and uh, and, and a boy named uh, somebody, a guy named Hojo, he played with us too. And then, and of course, Debo. So we in the, in the weight room, and they, we starting to do the sets, and he, we doing all the workout. He like, yeah, we got this, we got this, we got like five sets of ten or something. And everybody like, all right, that cool. What well, weight? And he he put up like four, five, three, fifteen on the bar, or whatever. And we like, bro, listen, we're not doing the same exact weight that you're doing mm. this whole entire workout. So. Me and Chicolo, we being smart. We knowing ourselves, we knowing we're not lifting on the same type level as Debo is lifting on. This man probably can bench 700 pounds if we really want to. <laughs> so we sitting back on some like, we just gonna really do what we know best for ourselves. And and Moats and, and Moats went ahead and kept trying to do the same way Debo was doing <laughs> and ripped his and ripped his triceps apart. He tore his triceps. Oh my goodness. So he was hurt the whole time. So after he got hurt, we really stopped going to Debo in the morning because they want to get hurt. That's very well, yeah, funny story because Peasy kind of like forced us to go in there and then we went in there and somebody got hurt. <laughs> so now you, now everybody like, nah, we can't do it again. But man, yeah, Debo, man, Debo was a fun, it was a, it was a funny experience with Debo, man. You know, funny experience. No matter what Debo, no matter what Debo uh, portrays itself, no matter what people say about Debo, at the end of the day, we, we went through some stuff with Debo on our team, but at the end of the day, like as far as a young linebacker, we still look up to him as he's a role model for every mm -hmm. linebacker that ever should play football. So, you know, no matter what history you have with a guy like that or anything that went wrong or, you know, went bad with him, he still is a, a football legend. And you got to pay respect to him. You got to – he is somebody that people are going to look up to forever because he's a walking Hall of Famer. So, you know, we just try to take that from him, you know, that that point of it and everything from it, just take the good with the bad and just get to know that and just look at it like we would, even though you probably didn't want to teach us a lot, you know, or do a lot like that, we still got a chance to be around the Hall of Fame guy and learn as much as we can while we were around him. So, you know, he is a great person at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, he's scr super strong. That's what he is. Yeah. But he might, he might as well turn into a bodybuilder champ, man. <laughs> I don't yeah, really see nobody. Really, people really ain't gonna be able to live with them like they really want to like that. But you know, that's what it is. But uh, if you ever get a chance to talk to Arthur Moats, man, anybody tag him, man. 
tell him about the story. Yeah, maybe we need to, well, yeah, we need to get him on the podcast. Maybe, you know, he might tell the story a little differently, but we know we got yeah, the truth yeah, from you. So we talked about Steelers defense. Obviously, you know, you're working with, with James Harrison, but the, the crowd in, in Heinz Field is, is another thing. You know, they're one of the best organizations, atmospheres in the league. Talk to me about your first experience kind of going on the field and, and, and hearing that energy. Man, you know, well, Heinz Field is, is, is different to me because, you know, no matter what the fans are going to be loud, they're going to travel and, and they're going to be there to they're gonna be there to act the fool how they want to act. You know, they're going to make sure the other team knows that we're in the building and it's our field and that they can't control the crowd noise. So, you know, it's going to be loud on third down, super loud, and you, everybody get an injury a rush when you're running through the tunnel. You get a rush when you come on the field and just hearing the fans scream on a big play. It just makes everybody that much more. And, uh, you know, it's fun, man. It's just fun to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. One of the things uh, I've been looking at, kind of going into your career, like you said, you had that hernia that you got fixed. Um, were, what, was, what was the uh, transition like? from Kentucky to the NFL was it did you were you experiencing a lot more um pushback as far as as far as letting your play grow or how was that man you know the biggest thing for me was finding really finding myself and finding my training method also finding the recovery pattern as well you know being around different people who can who can uh train themselves you know the, who who who've been around the game for a long time that know all about their body you kind of got to learn from them to know what exactly works best for you in certain mm-hmm. situations. And, you know, just seeing those people and learning from those people made me take my uh, recovery method to another level, also my, my practice method to another level as well. Yeah, one of the things, um, you know, one of the most unfortunate injuries I think we've seen in the past few years, was Ryan Chazier, uh, you were on the field when that happened. Uh, and can you kind of talk to me about what, what happened, what went on during that time? Uh, and, and obviously, you know, what you've seen from him, him as he's been able to recover. Yeah, so with Ryan Shazy injury, man, it just was very devastating. You know, we were very close. He's like my brother. Uh, you know, I know his family, you know, my family. And you know, just anytime someone that close to you really gets hurt in a situation they can't control, it just makes you sick to your stomach. It makes you really cry. Like, you crying inside. Like, you – and then it just, it just made us so mad that one game that, like, we didn't, we didn't really see the replay and see what happened. We just seen – Shazier, a couple guys have seen Shazier on the ground. So the first thing we're thinking is, oh, it's a Steelers Bengals game. Mm-hmm. Somebody cracked them because yeah. somebody had to crack back them because it was a lot of hits before that. A lot of made hits before that. We had just he had just smashed the running back that the game before in the flat. And, you know, so we always just sitting there thinking about like, I know somebody just they just, they just, they just blindsided them. So that's all we think about. Someone to blindside them. So now we like, oh, you took one, so you took Shay. Now we got to sleep two. So every time we just walk around looking like the, the goal now is to, we trying to knock somebody out. So you took our player. Now we trying to take somebody on your team. But it just we trying to we trying to double the score. Like we want to double the score. Like you took one, we taking two, and we really gonna see if we can keep it going. So it's like me, Vince Williams, you know other guys on defense and we walk around, we, we super mad, we super mad. Everybody we see, we trying to lay our whole body into it. We don't care about making a tackle. We don't care about nothing. We just trying to lay people out. And you know, 
know, just that just shows you how much we really love Shay, man. How much love we got for Shay, and then how devastated we were when he come, when he was hurt, and we would find out that he might be paralyzed. So mm. like we didn't understand, we didn't know what, but we were making watch the film. We started to play. Then we started understanding and calm down a little bit about the situation that was at hand. Yeah, I, I mean, fortunately, you know, we've seen on Instagram and 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 that he's been able to make uh, making steps towards recovery, which is awesome. I mean, it's, it's some of those things you know, you, you don't really know. I mean, we just saw the Alex Smith documentary talking about his whole, you know, spiral fracture with his leg. Uh, so it's just awesome to see that, that he's making these steps towards, towards recovery for sure. Uh, the one thing I do want to talk to you about as well is we're going into, so going into this season, the Steelers picked up your, uh, your fifth year option. Uh-huh. And, and basically now it's like, all right, after this, you know, it's, it's, there's no more guaranteed money. So I, I, you know, I got to perform. So what, talk me through your mindset of basically saying, all right, this is, this is my contract year. Like I, I got to show out. Yeah. So man, you know, like the last, my fourth year and every year I was getting better and better. Mm-hmm. My fourth year, I really hit the mark that I was doing, but I really want to finish in, finish in the sack. So sometimes really, it just kind of falls in your hand sometimes. Like you really, I was, I wasn't, I was, at the quarterback missing sacks, grabbing the quarterback, let him go. You know, just a lot of goofy shit. And uh, you know, the moves were working, but the finishing wasn't like I needed it to be. And, you know, even Kevin Colbert, Kevin Colbert, like, but you back there every time. You back there every time. You're doing good. You're doing good. Like you, like you kill him. You're working him. Keep working him. But make sure you finish. Cause it's like they're gonna separate you from. They're gonna separate you and put you in a different category. Just make sure you finish and get that money. Kevin Colbert just kept saying it all the time. And so, you know, my whole time, my fourth year, my fifth year, I was just focusing on finishing, finishing, finishing the whole time. And it came back my fifth year, and it was a good year for me. And, you know, I want to piggyback off last year and go into this year and have an even bigger leap than I have had in general. And, you know, just working the same way, working harder, working working harder, also working smarter. You know, knowing that it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, the whole season is a marathon, not a sprint. And, you know, just being able to put, you know, just being able to put all the keys in the right in the, in the right holes to make me the machine I am be the person I need to be on the field, you know, the player that I am on the field, but an even better person off the field as well. You know, so I try to just make sure I'm the best of both worlds, the every aspect of life. You know, be a stand-up, solid dude off the field, on the field, be a – Hard nosed working guy who always gonna be trying to you know get better and better himself and also better his teammates. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Or do you have any specific goals that you've set up like sack milestone, tackles for loss? What 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 are we what are we gonna see next year? What what are your goals? Yeah, I man, I just want to be top in top in every category. I want to just be at the top. And you know, you know, just working hard as I can. You know, just getting many as I can, many times I can, many seconds I can, interceptions, fumble, push fumbles, everything, man. I want to be an all around player going into my country right here that I'm about to have. So if I show people I can do this again, I did last year, the, the big year we had, and you know, my, my fourth, fifth year, and, you know, just come back and do it again this year and continue to see the arrow pointed up, sky's going to be the limit. And I'm just going to continue to be in this sweet spot for a while. Mm-hmm. There, So there was uh, some pushback from, you know, there, uh, the franchise tag here that the Steelers just gave you. Do you ever feel like your box score scouted? Like people are just taking a look at some of your numbers, especially, you know, 
not not necessarily this past year, but but earlier years, and saying, you know, oh, he doesn't get to double digit sacks regularly. Like we shouldn't sign him. Do you ever feel like people just don't watch the tape? Oh, most definitely. That's for any football player. You know how it is. If you if you really not watching the three four, if you don't really not knowledgeable about a three four defense, a real three four defense like we play in Pittsburgh, you're not gonna see. You really not gonna want to see what's going on. Like when the last time the Steelers had two linebackers with double digit sack besides me and TJ. Been a mm-hmm. while. Like Lamar Woodley and Jane Harrison, that was a while ago. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's 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 more so it's the scheme. The scheme plays a big part in of how, you know, guys how well not perform, how the fans see people performing. Because all the fans want to see is big numbers, big numbers and big sacks. But at the end of the day you still gotta watch the film and see exactly what was that person capable what was that person doing that was beneficial for the whole unit? You know what I'm saying? I was playing the run good my first couple of years, you know, doing my assignment, dropping in the coverage a lot of times. You know, we, we covered – in Pittsburgh, we we seen flat number two. And we had number two man-to-man. The tight ends man-to-man. We playing we – playing, we playing cover three. You know, it's, it's a lot of stuff we're doing that, that, that I know other outside linebackers aren't doing in the NFL, in, in, in the NFL. So, you know, me and TJ pride ourselves of being versatile enough to make a many plays off the ball in space, but also making a lot of plays near the line of scrimmage and making them with sacks. So, you know, a lot of people, we take pride in it because we always say, man, people, like, they can't do that. They can't really do yeah. what we do. They can't do what we do. So we really take pride in it. And, but that just hats off to the, to the Pittsburgh organization because – they're used to getting versatile guys like Devin Bush. He's small, but he's super fast, sideline to sideline. Like you got Vince Williams. He's a big body, hard nosed, downhill, running, stopping, run stopping, great inside linebacker. And you know, you get a guy like last year, like we had Mark Barron, who's a safety at heart, but plays inside back. You know, he's running, covering tight end, running, covering socks. And you know, it's just all, you know, the Steelers do a good job of, with personnel for, for, for the four. Uh, no, uh, first and foremost, they do a good job of with having personnel and identifying who's playing each role and knowing what's going on with that player uh, individually. So, yeah. you know, they develop us a lot and they make sure that we're, you know, just steady improving each year and year. Mm-hmm. How much fun is it playing with the defense like you had last year? I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, you mentioned Vince and Devin, TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward. I mean, you've got ballers on every level of that defense like how much fun is it when when you've got so many stars together playing with you i'll just go through the whole story <laughs> steve nelson steve nelson monster joe hayden monster super lockdown them boys they got islands out there they real locked down you know but they work hard in the offseason they work hard during the season they work hard you know in the middle you got cam Cam is probably the best D tackle. Him and Aaron Donald hands down the lead right now, you know. So, you know, both of those guys are, are, are putting up stuff all the time. And you got stuff on Tua. Tua's been hurt a few times too. You know, Tua is a monster in his own way. He's just a big dude, very athletic, very fast. But the reason they put that shit because he got hurt. But he was having a, out to a great year, having a tremendous year. He was going to wreck a lot of havoc the whole season. So a lot of people just sit back and be like, uh, also, we had Javon Hargrave. So they'd be like, oh, they lost Javon Hargrave. And they only got two of the cam. But, like, two of the cam can mold any other D lineman into a monster that they want to be. 
because they just gonna see the hard work they do. They gonna see two it running full speed at practicing. He's not even trying to tackle you, but he tip, he, he touching people on the back and they falling full speed. They fall into the face because he's so big and so fast. You got Cam just muscling everybody that he need the muscle to get around. He's a monster stopping the run, rushing the passer. And then and then you got me and TJ on the ends. You know, we're doing me and TJ doing on the ends and doing a great job trying to make everything happen. And uh it's fun. So we're gonna take it back to another step. Now we have Joe uh Devin Bush and inside backer and Vince Williams, who are two solid, solid, both run defenders and also pass defenders. And so with having both of those guys uh, on the field at the same time can play a tremendous role in that. And then let's not go to the back end with the main man, Minka Fitzpatrick himself, who's a monster, you know, came in right away, young guy, who's very smart beyond his time, knows everything that he needs to, uh, knows everything he needs to know about football, knows the right position, knows how to play ball, great ball skills, can also tackle very well in the space, also tackle very well in the box. And then Terrell Edmonds, who, who is the other safety, and he's a big body type guy, very, very fast and very athletic. And a lot of guys are just, you know, we just, we're just trying to make each other better. So I really can't wait to get back and going to practice because I know how me and TJ work. TJ is working. TJ is trying to be the best ever. That's how he works. I want to be the best ever. That's how we both work. Like, we all want to be the best, the best we can out of every situation. So every day I'm practice. We're working super hard. We're running to the ball. We're trying to outdo our day before. TJ comes to me like, I just ran a 19 at practice, but what you going to do? <laughs> now I got to go out there and try to run a 20. Just to satisfy TJ, you know. But that's a good thing about competing, you know. It just makes you better and better each day. Yeah, no, I mean, you you got, you, you, you named it. I mean, you, you talked about everybody on this defense. Like, they're, they're uh-huh. you guys are, are a top three and probably not three or two defense at this point. You look at what you guys have accomplished. Cleveland, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Uh, this season, obviously, we know the whole situation. Miles Garrett and and Mason Rudolph. Then a couple days later, Freddie Kitchens is wearing a Pittsburgh started it T-shirt. And then two weeks later, because you guys played each other in a span of three weeks, it, it's game day again, and you show up wearing a pretty pouncy T-shirt, the Steelers Center that that got suspended. So yeah. you you tell us as little or as much as you want to about kind of what went into that whole mindset and. Is there is there beef like are, are is Cleveland and Pittsburgh like are, are is there a serious rivalry even more? Yeah, it gotta be. <laughs> I don't know. Like I wouldn't call it beef because you know it's football at the end of the day. Yeah. So I would say, you know, I mean, me and then with the with the free pounds and stuff. Listen, if you if you my boy, I'm riding with you, wrong or right. I don't care what happened, what pounds he did. He's my he's my teammate. I, I, if he if he's wrong, I still think he's right. You gotta convince me that he's wrong. You know what I'm saying? You gotta really be like, no, 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 no. You gotta show me facts the reason he's wrong because I'm gonna tell you he's right from the beginning. So I'm gonna ride with my teammate until the wheels fall off, regardless, no matter what the situation. No explanation about it. But the the Rudolph situation, what happened with Mason, as far as beginning the whole thing started, they said he said a racial slur. Man, Mason is not that type of person. Mason never will be that type of person. You know, Mason is a great individual. He has a great heart. At, at, uh, and has a great heart, and he's always, you know, uh, more concerned about other people than himself. So, you know, that's kind of – I don't even know why someone would even decide to even make that a lie about him in that situation, you know. It really kind of hurt his character a little bit. You know, we've seen him crying for, you know, 
you really can't make up a lie about people like that. You really can't just make up a lie of that big of a deal type thing because of how racism is today. You don't want to say, you don't want to be calling people racist and they not and they not racist, bro. This is not a good image to to uphold it. anybody, any standard, any color, anything like that. So mm-hmm. man, Mason, Mason is a good person. We don't believe he said it. We know we don't even have a, a thought in our mind that he said it. anything of that nature. So. You know, we moved past that. And as far as the tension on the field, next year is probably going to be more tension because we're just sitting there looking like, like the, the, the way we think, the way we think on our defense side of the ball, the way everybody is, it's just, it's just we thrive off energy. So if, 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 if you say something to us, it's like, oh, we were waiting on you to say that. That's all we wanted you to say. Go ahead and say it. We were waiting on you to say that. We were waiting on you to say that so we can take it to that next level. That's what we waiting on you to do. Go ahead and say it so we won't be looking like the bullies. And we're going to take it to that next level. You know, mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But it's fun, man. It's always been fun like that with them guys on defense, man. They always made it ride. They always brought that, man. You know, just that much competition. That's why the competition is good, man. That's why we're going to continue to get better and better each year. You know, we're going into some older guys now. Everyone is not young anymore. The guys are coming to the arm. And, you know, we're in the mid-stages of our careers now. And so not really a lot of young guys on the defense side, D. Bush. And, you know, he's – He's moving on very well, so it'll be fun, man. And Vince Williams and Cam, they do a great job of leading us. And TJ's a great vocal leader as well. And, you know, we just got to keep going, man, keep rocking and and, uh, and be ready for the Browns game this year because they right. added more firepower to their roster. They're ready to ride. They're ready to try to beat us. And, you know, we're ready for the talent, man. we always ready to go. But at the end of the day, man, it's going to be hard no football against the Browns, hard no football against the Ravens. And, like, you know, like, we the Steelers, so – no, we wait on any altercation that you will bring upon. We we wait on it, so mm-hmm. we waited for it and 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 we itching for it. So it's fun. Love it, love it. So you're no stranger to wearing uh, different things, you know, pregame. Talk to me about the ski mask. Where where <laughs> did that idea come from? Uh, and and kind of talk to me about what it means for you showing up to games wearing a ski mask. So yeah, so. My main thing was wearing the ski mask. So my initial thought process behind the ski mask was wearing it to away games only. I'm not going to wear it to away games because it was when you put a, when people have ski masks on, it's for bad intentions, especially mm-hmm. when you're not on, on on the ice. I mean, not in, in the snow. So, you know, the whole bad intention mode, like we know what people put ski masks on, where the first thing you think of is a robbery. So when I'm going into another team's stadium and I got my ski mask on, I'm thinking home invasion. So we coming to your stadium. We trying to invade. We trying to we, we trying to home invasion. That's what we want to do. We kind of keep your front door, and we trying to let everybody know exactly what's going on. So once uh, once I start doing it, everybody else was like, "Man, I want a ski mask. Let me get a ski mask." That's hard, bro. That's hard. Like, why you wearing a ski mask? I'm like, "Cause man, it's home invasion. That we come and do. We coming to take it." And they were like. Oh yeah, man, let me get a ski mask too. So everybody <laughs> wanted to get a ski mask. So I passed our ski mask to the whole team. Me and my old teammate Zilla, he played uh um uh, he played with us for the students as well. Uh Blake. Me and my old teammate um Zilla, which is Blake, you know, he played for the team as well and he played corner and uh, he had a clothing line now. So we try to I try to always support people I know in situations like that. So I supported him. We got together and made those ski masks for the team and 
also you know, just gave them out to a lot of people and people kind of ran with it. Everybody keep asking like right now, like if I don't get a t-shirt made with a ski mask on. And so I'm probably gonna get a t-shirt made with a ski mask on soon and start marketing branding just for my last, this just, just for just for the season. And you know, just so people know that it's a real meaning behind it. And then once everybody started liking it, that's exactly when I, uh, that's exactly when I moved to doing home games. It's a very entrepreneurial spirit you've got there, obviously, you know, marketing, getting those, getting those t-shirts ready. Uh, lo love to hear that for sure. So a couple things here, just before we let you go, uh, Steelers GM said that, that he wants to have you in Pittsburgh for your whole career. How important is it to you to be in that organization and stay with the Steelers and, and kind of echo his sentiments there? Uh, you know, just having, just, just, Knowing Kevin, see me and Kevin have a good relationship. Me and Miss Kevin Cole we got a real good relationship, man. You no, know, I, I try not to burn bridges with nobody I run across, unless you really just did some, some real slimy to me. It's the only time that I really like burn a bridge with you. But Kevin Cole has been nothing but solid and real me since the day I walked onto the Steelers organization. You know him and Coach Tomlin they have Mr. Rooney as well. And you know just for him to say that that he wants me to be a part of the organization for the for the rest of my career, it means a lot to me. And it means a lot to you know to from the organizations that uh, that they all believe that way. You know, just seeing my growth, seeing how I perform at practice, seeing the game, fam, knowing the type of person I am on and off the field. You know, they just they just they just love. I feel like they love it about me, and uh, I just try to continue to prove them right and do as much as I can to help them in every aspect. And as well as uh, and then you know just for one point that. Uh, even with the fifth, even with the franchise tag, like I told my agent that I was gonna sign it because I didn't want to be able to scratch him. Just know, just they've been so good to me through my career. You know, just being part of my stuff. Like, I know, like if the Steelers are gonna work out, if the Steelers want to work out long term deal, they'll work out long term deal. If not, then let's not make it a scratching because I don't want to be a scratching myself because I ain't even no Hollywood type person like that. Mm -hmm. To even be on something like that, because you know, always, because especially now, there's nothing else in the media. They're gonna be talking about it all the time, talking about it all the time. So, like, take me out the equation. I sign a franchise tag. If they want to work a long-term deal, if not, I'm gonna bet on myself again, and I'll test free agents and Marvin next year. And either, either or, it would be a win for me. But uh, I know how I'm performing this year. I know I'm gonna be the the best that I can. I'm taking another step up and uh, on the field in my play. You know, just continue to strive for the best. Yeah. No, awesome. Well, Bud, we wish you the best. Uh, we're, I didn't even ask you about the Pro Bowl, but we, we know you're getting that Pro Bowl next year. Definitely. Uh, not, not even a question, but we wish you all the best and thank you for, for taking the time today. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now we are transitioning over to the power rankings. So this is part three of the rankings. For those of you who may have missed the first two, I mean, obviously go back and listen to it for, for the full analysis and my full reasoning why I have them there. But let's just go through the teams we've already covered. So 32, Jacksonville Jaguars. 31, Detroit Lions. 30, Cincinnati Bengals. 29, New York Jets. 28, Carolina Panthers. 27, Washington Redskins. 26, New York Giants. And 25, Miami Dolphins. So we've got that out of the way. We've got that covered. Definitely go back and, and listen and, and see why I've got them there because that's obviously more important than, than you know me just listing off the numbers of the, of the spot they're in. But first up here at 24, we've got the Chicago Bears. So as far as as far as offseason ads go, 
they added a backup quarterback, potential starting quarterback, and Nick Foles. And we'll get into that trade here in just a sec. Uh, they signed Robert Quinn away from the Dallas Cowboys, and they signed tight end Jimmy Graham. Uh, as far as losses go, they lost Ha Clinton Dix to the Cowboys. Nick Kwiatkowski uh, went to the Raiders, and they lost their backup quarterback, Chase Daniel, to the Detroit Lions. And as far as the draft went, they I think this was their last year of not having a first-round pick from that Khalil Mack trade. So they drafted Cole Komet, another tight end, and a really good corner, a guy I really like, in Jalen Johnson. So let's get into kind of why they're, they're at this spot. So first up, Nick Foles. Now, you look at the market uh, as, far as, as far as quarterbacks go, and there wasn't a lot of value that these guys were getting. I mean, obviously, Cam Newton to this point remains unsigned. Jameis Winston signed a minimum deal with the Saints, and obviously that's a unique situation there. Um, but, but Cam Newton was released. Uh, Kyle Allen, a guy who started most of last season, uh, got I think he was traded for a six-round pick. So there isn't a ton of value that's just being thrown around for these guys. And then here come the Bears, who take on the full extent of Nick Foles' contract, which is hovering around $20 million a year, and they send a fourth-round pick to the Jags. I mean, we've seen this before in the past, where teams take on a bad, a bad contract, like the Browns did with Brock Osweiler. I think they got a second-rounder or a first-rounder first in exchange for that. Uh, but the Bears in this situation gave up a fourth-round pick in a draft they already didn't have their first-rounder in, to get a guy worth $20 million who may be your starter, may be your backup, but it just seems like the value there was was very much lacking. You know, I, I don't understand why uh, they would agree to this sort of deal that kind of pins them in a spot here, especially going into Mitch Trubisky's contract year. And as far as that quarterback battle goes, I genuinely think there's a chance that Nick Foles finds his way into that starting job at some point. I think Mitch Trubisky will start the year as a starter, but you get another one of those games like they had last year where they're scoring under 10 points. Mitch Trubisky throws for 80 yards on like 15 passes. I think Nick Foles could find himself in that in that spot pretty quickly. As far as the Robert Quinn deal goes, I love that move. I think it's going to be great. Uh, Khalil Mack and the rest of that defense, Roquan Smith, really opens things up for Robert Quinn, and I think he'll have another double-digit sack season. Uh, yeah, the, the problem is not the defense. The defense is fantastic, I think. And, and adding Jalen Johnson, another guy, corner out of Utah, who is is a fighter. You know, he's very scrappy, and he's going to fit right in right away and could play meaningful minutes from the jump. But offensively, David Montgomery was disappointing. I think a lot of people expected more from him, and, and part of it could be play calling or, or whatever. But 11 tight ends on the roster, I think they... They dropped one, uh, Trey Burton, who's now on the Colts. So a lot of tight ends on that roster. Quarterback questions. Uh, I mean, Allen Robinson's there. You know, is Jimmy Graham going to be a valuable pass catcher? Don't really know. I mean, there's so many questions here. Uh, really good defense, though. I think that is their their selling point. And the defense is probably going to win them some games. I think Khalil Mack, is, we've seen in the past, is talented enough that he is a, a literal game changer, which is very, very special. If you get that, uh, another bad season is Matt Nagy on the hot seat. Possibly, I think from the jump, you know, they made the playoffs uh, just two years ago with with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. Obviously, the the famous double doink against the Eagles. But at this point, that's a long time ago. In in football years, uh, one year is basically like five. You know, it's what have you done for me lately? 
and unfortunately, Matt Nagy has not done a lot. So that's going to be a big thing to watch out for. The schedule, as far as you know, the, their group goes, the NFC North isn't particularly difficult. I mean, they've got a couple tough teams, but you know, it, it it seems very likely that they can split and go three and three. As far as the rest of the opponents, they play the AFC South, which you know they may split that one as well, and then they also play the Rams and the Bucks. As far as notable uh, in conference games, so there's just not a not a ton to to love here especially on the offensive side of the ball and that's really what what wins you games in the regular season you know defense wins championships offense is what gets you there to that game so yeah not a lot to love that's why i got him at 24 next up at 23 is the atlanta falcons so as far as ads go they added todd Gurley in the offseason traded for hayden hurst and also signed dante fowler losses they lost vic beasley they lost Devontae Freeman. They lost Austin Hooper. And in the draft, they added A.J. Terrell, a cornerback, Marlon Davidson, inside defensive lineman, and Matt Hennessy, who played center at Temple. So first things first, I mean, you look at their their ads and losses. They match up very well. Uh, Devontae Freeman, they cut him. They signed Todd Gurley. They didn't choose to re-sign Vic Beasley. They went out and got Dante Fowler. And then they let uh, Austin Hooper go in free agency. And then they traded for Hayden Hurst. So they've they've done a good job of of patching those holes right away, which is, I mean, absolutely, you know, what you'd want. Even even in the draft, they they released Desmond Trufant and they signed AJ Terrell, drafted AJ Terrell in the first pick. So as far as that goes, you know, it's it's going to be a very similar team to last year, um, just the way these guys line up. But the biggest thing is they just don't perform. You know, that's that's always been the issue. Uh, they, you know, I had them going to the playoffs last year, I think in this, in this, uh, preview and they, you know, they disappointed obviously picking in the middle rounds. So at this point, the talents there, I mean, you look at if Todd Gurley can get going, that's going to be absolutely fantastic for them. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, uh, and, and Hayden Hurst. I mean, they've got a solid group together. They always have, you know, defensively Grady Jarrett's still there. Uh, that group all the way around is good. It's just a matter of, can they perform? And obviously, Todd Gurley, whether or not he can perform, is definitely a big question mark. I mean, they haven't even done his physical yet. They don't know what he's going to be able to do. And at this point, they need production because Matt Ryan, Julio Jones aren't getting any younger. Uh, it's it's going to be difficult. And the NFC South alone is a very tough division. I mean, you, you, you could maybe get two wins from the Panthers, but you're going to have to fight to get anything from the Saints or the Bucks teams that I have a feeling we're going to see at the top of this list. Uh, or at least pretty close to it as we move forward. And then the rest of their division, you got the AFC West, which is arguably the toughest AFC division, if not division in the league. I mean, there's they're talented all the way up and down. Uh, so that's, that's going to be difficult. And then they play Dallas, Green Bay, and Philadelphia. That's an incredibly difficult schedule. I mean, you've got four, four games against the Saints and the Bucks, and then you go play the AFC West, which none of those games are given. And then you've got three... Uh, three games against two teams that were in the playoffs, one that just missed it, but obviously still have a lot of talent. So, I mean, just a ton of things here that it's just kind of stacking up for the Falcons that even if they get it going, their schedule alone makes it incredibly difficult. Uh, so that I've got the Falcons here at 23. Now at 22, we've got the LA Chargers. Their ads, they traded for Trey Turner, signed Brian Bulaga, signed Chris Harris, and then in the uh, offseason, they lost Phillip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, and then Russell Okung, who was in that Trey Turner trade. Uh, they drafted Justin Herbert. 
They also drafted, traded up to take Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma, at the end of the first round. And then the one I added in here was their seventh-round steal, K.J. Hill, a guy who I think could start in the slot right away for them. I mean, fantastic. We can start there. Uh, the draft was was really good to them as far as late-round value. I mean, I'm no expert, but uh, a guy like K.J. Hill who had a good uh, senior bowl, so he played really well there. A lot of people were talking about, you know, maybe third, fourth round, and then he slips all the way to the seventh. I think it's absolutely incredible. But outside of that, I really like the Kenneth Murray move. I think you fit him in with with Joey Bosa and Derwin James and and Chris Harris and Melvin Ingram. Like that's a really good defensive group, even though they didn't go after Isaiah Simmons, which I think would have sent them over the top 100%. Uh, they, they drafted Justin Herbert. So what's the deal here? That's first off. Are they going to start Tyrod Taylor, a guy who's had success in the past? I mean, he doesn't get it done from a traditional sense of, you know, throwing 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, but he gets it done with his legs and he grinds, grinds it out to a win. I mean, he did it with the Bills. He couldn't really get anything going with the Browns, unfortunately, and, and now he's here with the Chargers. So is he the full starter right away? Are they going to try and throw Justin Herbert in there? Uh, anytime you draft a quarterback in top 10, there's always there's always an immediate aspiration for him to play right away. Obviously, there were, there were teams that have held off in the past, uh, and it's proved to be pretty effective. I mean, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, both guys that, that waited, that were first-round picks, obviously not in the top 10. But that's the biggest question. What are you doing at QB? Is Tyrod Taylor, do you believe in him enough? Uh, there's really good talent all the way around, uh, all the way around, I think, as far as a fully balanced team like you're going to be hard pressed to find a team that's that's better put together here in these 20s than the Chargers but that quarterback question is a big one I think if they gotten a guy like like Tom Brady that that boosts them quite a bit like I'm talking top 10 category at least for this year just because uh, having a guy who's who's set up and established means so much to that team and and obviously really really helps them uh, win a lot of games but as far as value goes, I think they did a really good job of addressing those offensive line needs. Obviously, trading for, for Trey Turner, getting rid of a guy in Russell Okung who has been hurt a lot of years. And then Brian Bulaga was probably the best offensive tackle on the free agent market, not named Jack Conklin. So a very underrated move, but I think they shored up this offensive line uh, as well as could be expected You know, in, in this offseason as far as trades and that sort of thing go. Um, yeah, I mean, the team is built really well. You look at you look at offensive weapons, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, and Hunter Henry, playmakers on defense. I already listed them out. You, you, you know that's they've got guys there. But defense or looking at their schedule here, they're going to play. Like I mentioned, that AFC West is tough. They're they're a very difficult division to win any games in, uh, and they're going to be half. They're going to push themselves every single game uh, to to get some wins. And then they also play the NFC South, which we just mentioned. The Falcons are there. Um, but also you've got the Bucks and the Saints to worry about. The Panthers, you can you can snag one from them. Uh, but but yeah, it's a very difficult division as far as playing in their own division and then playing their outer conference opponents. So at this point this year, I'm not expecting big things. They could surprise if Tyrod Taylor really you know lights it up or Justin Herbert he gets thrown in there and, and has some success, which I don't know. I don't necessarily... I mean, if, if out of these four quarterbacks drafted in the first round, probably the one with the worst career, if I had to guess, is is going to be Justin Herbert, just as far as intangibles go. You know, not to mention, uh, obviously, fit is a totally different thing. Being able to sit uh, allows him 
something that, that Joe Burrow and, and Tua Tungavailoa don't have. So that's something to look out for, definitely. Same with Jordan Love. They get to sit for a number of years at least before they get in, which, which helps them a lot. And finally, our last team here at 21 for, for part three of the NFL Power Rankings is the Arizona Cardinals. So in the offseason, not super busy in free agency. Added DeAndre Hopkins, added Devon Kennard, a linebacker who is largely underrated, a guy who played it on the Lions. Uh, a lot of people really love what he can do. And then losses, didn't lose a ton either. David John- Johnson was a piece in that DeAndre Hopkins trade, and then Farrell Cooper, a wide receiver. Uh, but other than that, not too, nothing too crazy. Their first two picks in the draft were absolutely incredible. I mean, it's A-plus for both. Isaiah Simmons, linebacker, and Josh Jones, offensive tackle. I mean, I've talked about it for probably since the start of this podcast, or at least since Kyler Murray was was drafted into the league, you got to address that offensive line. That's paramount. Uh, and, and they kind of lucked into a guy in Josh Jones who I had going in the first round. Obviously, uh, that's where a lot of my focus is. And so you get a guy in the third round like they did for, uh, for that value. It's just absolutely incredible. Uh, as far as this team goes, they're going to lose games they should win and they're going to win games they should lose. That's how it goes with just a young, exciting team. And that defense is really good. Like, I don't think people are talking enough about how adding Isaiah Simmons makes that defense uh, in that top tier potentially. You know, they've got potential to do it. Chandler Jones, a guy who's always up there in sacks, very underrated pass rusher. Buda Baker, young safety. Patrick Peterson, established corner. And then Isaiah Simmons. So at every level, you've got playmakers, which is exactly what you want. And... His limit, basically, Isaiah Simmons' limit is going to be how he's schemed. Uh, that that will be the the indicating factor on his success or his failures. How much teams are going to, or how much his defensive coordinator is going to say, "All right, we want to get you in a variety of positions because we want to use your athleticism." Uh, and and that defense is great. Uh, the offensive wise, they've got some really good pass catchers: Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins was a massive move, and then Kenyon Drake, who had a lot of success in the running game. Uh, and probably should continue at this point as he was re-signed on the franchise tag. I think Kyler Murray will be in the MVP conversation. What he's able to do with his legs and his arm, it's the new generation of quarterback. It's very exciting, uh, but ultimately lack of wins will be what causes him to be pushed outside of this conversation. I think he's going to have some good games. He's going to have some bad games. The good ones will be you know, four touchdowns, 400 yards, you're going to say, wow, this guy is is the future. But he's still young. He's still developing. That offensive line still has a lot of questions, and he can't run away from them forever. So they, they're going to need to fix that up for sure. Uh, not to mention they're playing in the toughest division in football. I mean, all they could just as easily go 0-6 in those games as they could split. You know, so that's something to look out for. That's part of the reason why I've got them here over a couple other teams. Uh, you know, underdeveloped quarterback still needs more time to mature. Uh, he's he's only he was only a one year starter at Oklahoma, and obviously that one year was was really good, winning the Heisman. But but still, there's going to be a lot of of kinks to work out in his game before he can really be on that top ten, top five tier of quarterbacks. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Really appreciate you tuning in. Feel free to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Let us know what you want to hear. Uh, we're, we're planning on getting a ton of more interviews, maybe some guys we've heard before, getting their opinions on things that are happening in the sports world. But we really appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week.